But we are so glad that you are with us today. Uh, and again, if you're watching online, we are glad you're tuning in as well. Uh, we are continuing in our study on, in Colossians. This is week 12 uh, for some of you, uh, some of us that may be a f- newer. I was looking in my notes. Uh, I had taught some Colossians in our Sunday school class. And just to show you what you could have had, the same time in our Sunday school class, we were in week 27. So, you know, for those of you in my Sunday school class, you know what, you know what, what that is about. So uh, we are going to be in the book of Colossians chapter 3. Title of the message today is Full Occupancy. Obviously, this is a, occupancy is a topic that uh, is prevalent in, in our society today. If you've got a restaurant or you've got a business, you have to watch how many people you get in. You have to watch how many people go out. Uh, and so uh, we're going to apply that, that principle today with our hearts and our minds. What is occupying our heart? And do we have room for anything else? Uh, let us look at uh, chapter 3, 15 through 17, and we'll pray, and then we will get going today. Uh, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, uh, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Uh, Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Uh, We do thank you that you have uh, allowed us to gather in this place today. I pray as we study your word, as we take it, uh, we want your Holy Spirit to teach us. Uh, Everybody here that knows me knows that, uh, that I can't do anything. But you can. You can do all things. You are the all in all. And I'm so thankful for that today. That you don't leave us here forsaken. Uh, You never leave us nor forsake us, and you are with us uh, constantly. Uh, And when we have to, or are asked to do things that's not in our power, that's when you can step in and do it. And I'm thankful for that today. I do pray that as we break into this and study it, I pray that uh, maybe you would just prick our hearts uh, and open it up and maybe just um, open our minds as well to the fact that maybe there's some things that uh, we need to change. Maybe there's some things that we need to address in our lives and our walk with you. We love you. And all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So, I don't know if you noticed that or not. Now, we've been talking about how you've been putting off the old man and over the past few weeks, and you're putting on the new man. Uh, for some of us, hopefully, maybe we've done some introspection and maybe looked at some of that, and hopefully we're in the process of doing that. I know uh, it's kind of been in our house, yesterday, you know, since school's been out, uh, we, we haven't been wearing, you know, maybe the clothes that we would go out. So yesterday, Nicole is going through the clothes for the kids, and we discovered, you know, we don't have any clothes. Uh, and so we have a new, you know, we can think we put on the new man, in a, if you will. And so maybe there's some, hopefully for us, we've put some new clothes on. Um, but I don't know if you notice this or not, and leave that up there for just a second. What's the, after and, what's the first word there? Let. It's highlighted. Verse 16 is still, it's let. So in other words, what we're going to be talking about today is free will. Which it always comes down to. And I'm sorry to the, to the Calvinists that are out there if you're watching. Uh, you do have free will and we're going to prove it to you. Uh, we always have had a choice starting in the garden. Adam and Eve both had a choice. 
Um, they could have easily said no. They could have easily said, no, we're not going to do that. God has told them something different. Um, but they didn't do that. Israel had a choice. If you remember, uh, Moses stood on the mountain. He said, choose you uh, this day if you're going to serve God. Joshua did the same thing later on. Um, so in this church, in the church age that we live in today, we also have a choice. Uh, we have a choice to whether we're going to accept Christ and his payment for sin on the cross for us. Um, you know, if you know... If you grew up in church, maybe, or you grew up in, you know, your pastor doesn't save you, your, your family doesn't save you, uh, the only thing that can save you is Jesus Christ and you accepting his payment on the sin. Nobody can make that choice for you. And after we're saved, uh, hopefully if we're saved, it says we have a choice of whether we allow the peace of God, and that's what we're going to talk about today, an understanding of the word of God uh, that is available to us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to have access to our hearts and minds. So you... Sorry, you don't, we're not little Christian automatons. I wish we were where we could just say, you know what, God, you're going to come in today and you are going to run things for me. Uh, but you have to make that choice. Uh, every day, it's not a, it's, it's, you've got to flip that switch. Uh, you can choose to flip it or you can choose to leave it off. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. So the first thing, the first blank, uh, you can go on to the next one. Th- sorry, Derek. Uh, we're going to talk about the ruler of our heart, uh, the ruler of our heart. And what we see there, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And there's four characteristics of that, of the peace of God. Uh, and obviously, since we're talking about a characteristic of God, of God, it's a divine peace. And you never can talk about God, whether you don't talk about the triune being that he is, whether he is, a, is the Godhead, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you have to take all aspects of that when you're talking about this peace of God that we have. First is the peace of the Father. Uh, Psalm 85, 8. Uh, you can go to that. Thank you, brother. Uh, it says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let not them turn again to folly. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and then we also want to talk about the peace of the Son. Uh, there's a, you can remember John 14, 27, when he, Jesus talked about that, you know, he wasn't going to leave them comfortless. He was going to send them the comforter. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Uh, Acts 10, 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. We sang that today. Praise the Lord. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you may find yourself today thinking, you know, I don't know how much peace I have. We'll talk about that. But the only way that you can have peace with the Father is through the Son. It doesn't come by any other means. I don't care what Oprah or anybody else in this life says. Uh, Yeah, amen. It doesn't come by anything but through Jesus Christ. Uh, No man comes to the Father but by him. And lastly, peace of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John fourteen sixteen and 17, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Uh, Galatians five twenty two. but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. So we see that all those aspects of peace come from the triune being and the trinity that he is. The next thing you see besides, a, besides that peace is a ruling peace. Ruling goes in your blank. Uh, Galatians six fifteen and 16. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, the fact... Uh, that you are a new creature in Christ, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, we just don't really allow, we, this stuff is available to us. You know, we have Jesus Christ living inside of us and dwelling, and we are just taking him and just saying, I got this, you know. No, of course, none of you do that, right? You know, I do that, you know. I don't know how many times I've probably, my wife will say, hey, let's, let's do this, let's do that. Nah, I got this, I got that, you know. When the first thing that I need to be doing is hitting my knees and praying and seeing what Jesus Christ and God has to say uh, and what they will do uh, if I will let them. And the next thing you want to see besides a ruling peace is a unifying peace. And man, <laughs> if we don't need some unity right now, I don't know when we do. Uh, Psalm 133, 1 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to, to dwell together in unity. Uh, so what that means is there's a possibility or the chance that you're going to dwell in disunity. Uh, and we have to make that choice as well. Uh, we can come in every Sunday morning and, you know, got the sourpuss look on our face and worry about what somebody said to us, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago or how they didn't shake my hand or uh, they didn't tell me I did a good job singing or, you know, all this thing. or didn't tell me they appreciated me teaching or uh, making coffee, you know. We just got to put all that stuff out. Uh, you really do because it's about Christ, you know, uh, and it's all about Christ. Uh, the next thing, Ephesians 4, 3 says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So endeavoring means that it takes work. Uh, it takes flipping that switch and saying, you know what? Today ain't about me. The next day, you know what? Today ain't about me. The next day, today's not about me. And you have to do it. And sometimes you have to, that switch is, somehow just gets turned off throughout the day, no matter what's going on. You still have to flip it. Uh, James 3.18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Uh, and lastly, thankful peace. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 9, and we could just spend some time here and it would be great. Uh, it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Uh, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard, seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So there's the, rest, there's the recipe right there. Think on the things that are good. Think on the things that are pure. Think on the things that are lovely. Think of the things that are good report. Um, think of praise, and we'll get to that in a minute. These are the things that you need to spend your time thinking about. You know, it's not 
the cares of this world. It's not what we're going to do later on today. Or, you know, spend your, those things will take care of themselves. Spend your time thinking on the things of God. And he'll give you peace. He said he would. He can't lie. He cannot lie. Uh, the next thing we'll look at is the resident of my heart and mind. Did you know there's people trying to, trying to get in right now? You know, there's people, they're, they're pushed in the closet or they're pushed over in the other, uh, somewhere in the guest room or maybe they've put, pushed outside. Uh, you know, I don't guess anybody has outhouses anymore, but, uh, you know, you, sometimes you had to go, get, go to the outhouse when you were growing up. Uh, I'm not that old, but I do. I, I've heard stories about it. But uh, so there's a lot of times that you know, and we're going to have this verse in just a minute. We're just not letting anybody or anything in. We're not letting the things of God in. Uh, and the thing that needs to reside in us is the Word of God. Look at this again. Colossians three fifteen through seventeen, verse sixteen says, "Let the Word of Christ." What's the next word? Dwell. In you richly, in all wisdom. Uh, we'll stop there for just a second. So the word dwell means that you are, it is a, an abode. It's a living, it's somewhere where you live. Uh, it is not a temporary place of residence. Uh, you have settled somewhere. Uh, did I step too far, Walt? I'm trying to, they, they've told me I have the, this much, so I'm trying to. First um, Kings eight thirteen says, "I have surely built thee an house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever." So, is your home, your tabernacle? Is, you know, we can we can start there personally. Is it a settled place, or do you find yourself, you know, from day to day, just you know, in a in a state of chaos or confusion or unrest? Um, there's hope for you today. There's hope for me today. Uh, we can make it a settled place. You can make your, not this, but you can make your home a settled place. You know, I know that's a lot of, in our house, you know, I have three kids running around. I've got twins that are four. And it's, it seems to be chaos every day. And that's a lot of the conversations that Nicole and I have is, how do we calm this down and make it settled? Uh, we still do it through God. You still have to do it. Uh, he's able to do it. Uh, Job 23.12, and we're particularly talking about uh, the word of God dwelling in us. Uh, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And I know a lot of you are already thinking about lunch. You know, we got 30 minutes. It's good. Um, But how much time do we spend thinking about that? How much time do we spend about, you know, what we're going to do the next day or this? We worry about, I got to do this, this, and this, and I'm not a schedule guy. Uh, Jay hates that about me, but, um, you know, but I don't, God's going to take care of you, you know, don't worry about what you're eating for lunch, I know my wife is saying amen right now, because that's the first thing, that, what are we eating for lunch, what are we eating for dinner, you know, God's going to take care of us, we need to worry about the things of the Lord, uh, and esteem the words of his mouth more than our sustenance. Uh, thy words were found, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You know, I've been saved a long time since I was six years old. Uh, but I never, 
I didn't grow like I could have grown until I started to love God's Word. And that's the only way you'll ever get to know God is through the Word of God. Uh, it's the only way you'll ever get to know His characteristics, His character, His nature. Uh, you're not going to learn it from reading commentaries. You're not going to learn it from uh, other people's experiences. You have to learn it and get in it for your own, for your own self. Acts, Acts 17, 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Oh, man, that is what we have to do. We have to, once we hear somebody preaching or, or teaching or God is speaking to us when we're reading, we have to receive it with readiness of mind. When we receive it uh, with readiness of mind, then we can apply it. Uh, and if we search the scriptures daily, uh, then we're going to be in a constant, you know, it's... You don't miss your three meals every day. I know I don't. Or my two meals and my snack and, you know, whatever goes in between and my coffee. Uh, if we had that same attitude about the Word of God, I'm not going to miss this. i got to do it every day. You know, you've got to do it every day. First uh, Thessalonians 2.13, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard of us, you received it, not as the Word of man, but as it is truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It'll work in your life. It will. Uh, James 1.18, of his own will, he begat us, uh, begat he us, excuse me, with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So in other words, uh, that is how we receive the gospels, by faith, right? Uh, by accepting Christ, uh, by hearing his word. And once he, you begat it or born into his family, then that should be your nature. You have that nature already inside of you, uh, but you have to access it. You have to let that nature rule over your old nature, and that's what we've kind of been hitting for a long time uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, so then this key for us is the Word of Christ must be at home in us. In goes in your brain. In other words, the Word must have free access to every part of our lives. Uh, think about that for just a minute. So, you know, a lot of us probably are, hopefully are still doing the 52 weeks of pursuit. Hopefully you're still uh, trying to read every day. Um, you know, if you do not let this word get from here to here, and that little 12, you know, for some of us it may be calling this a little taller for you, but, you know, 12, maybe 12 inches is, is the common. Uh, if you don't let it get into your heart... Uh, and let it rule, you'll never have peace. Uh, you'll never have the peace that we're talking about today. The Word of Christ has to be at home. Uh, it can't be, you know, somebody that comes in, you know, you have your family come in and stay for a few weeks, or you have, maybe they come in and, for, and visit. Uh, or, you know, it can't be somebody that you, oh, here comes the guest, let's roll out the, let's get the guest room ready, you know, let's clean up the house, Right? That's maybe some, maybe, oh, I got church tomorrow, I need to read. Or, God forbid, oh, I got to teach, or I got to preach, so let me, let me get, let me get my Bible open and see, you know, see what I'm going to talk about. I was watching a video last, or a couple weeks, a couple nights ago, uh, uh, it's called American Gospel, and one of the guys that was talking, he was the nephew, I think, of Benny Hinn, and he had been converted, and he had basically... Uh, surrendered his life to the Lord and gotten rights, and you know he was brought up in some of the stuff that had went on. 
And he talked about one of the things that he had to repent of is he got hired at a church to be a pastor and had never preached a sermon. You know, and he had to he had to learn how to read God's word. He had to learn how to study. He had to do all those things and he had never done it and had already been hired to be a pastor in a church. And I'm telling you, you just wouldn't believe how much that stuff goes on in this world today. Uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, desire the good work of the, of the bishop, uh, but maybe they're not called to do that. Um, and I'm just going to go to seminary. I'm going to get my degree, uh, and then I'm going to start preaching. Well, it doesn't really work that way. We have to be sent out from a local church. And so what we're talking about today is Christ being at home in our lives, uh, not being in a guest room. There's a place designated for him. It, it's, you know, when you set the blueprint up, well, here's where Christ is going to be. Uh, and he's going to be present, and he's going to be uh, have the first fruits. Revelation three twenty. You know, we're talking about this church at Colossae, and it's no coincidence that Laodicea is always associated with that. Well, we are in Laodicea. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Revelation three twenty says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock." And this is Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. And so what's interesting about that is where is Christ? He's outside trying to get in. But this church of Laodicea, this church age that we are in, is rich and increased with goods and has need of nothing. We don't even need Christ. We can close our doors. We can lock them. We can have church. We can do activities. Uh, and we're telling Christ... We got this. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying with our hearts and with our actions. Uh, We got this. And you can't do church that way. You can't do ministry that way. Uh, You can't do the Christian life that way. And he wants to be in. He wants to be a part. Uh, You know, it kind of reminds me of the song that, um, you know, I've seen, or not the song maybe, but uh, you can remember these uh, bumper stickers that would say, uh, Jesus is my co-pilot, or God is my co-pilot. How about letting him fly? How about letting him drive? And, and, you, and, and you know, how about you get out of the way? That would be great. Uh, and that would be great for us. Let, let Christ uh, rule our lives and our hearts. Uh, and it says, uh, if you continue reading the verse, it says that all wisdom was in there. Um, and I wonder, obviously, if you talk about wisdom, you talk about an understanding. Psalms talks about it. Proverbs talks about it, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I think we see a lot of times at homes, churches, in our culture, uh, we just don't have a, a fear of the Lord anymore. Uh, I can remember, you know, when I got saved, and maybe we don't preach about hell enough. Maybe we don't preach about uh, God's wrath enough. Maybe we don't teach about uh, some things that we should because people just aren't scared. And they're not scared. How do I know they're not scared? Look at how they live their lives. Uh, We're not scared of the Lord, uh, but we should be. Uh, Proverbs 18.1 says, Though desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom, or through desire, excuse me. So there has to be some separation. There has to be some separation and a sanctification uh, of yourself from this world. If you're going to get wisdom, the kind of wisdom that we're talking about. Colossians 1.9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you may might be filled with the knowledge of his will 
in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's what I love about the Christian, uh, particularly about the King James Bible. Um, every word is pure. Every word is true. But every word is important. And so when something says it shall be, then it will be. But like this, it says you might be, then you might not be. Uh, it is all dependent on what you do uh, and your desire to seek God's word. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And so what's the result of that? We're going to go on. Uh, I don't, the result, number three, uh, is teaching and admonishing. Let's look at the verses again. Uh, 16, give me that if you don't care, Derek. Uh, it says, let the, wisdom, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Semicolon, we're not done. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts. Um, so the result of letting the peace of God rule in our hearts and minds uh, and the word of Christ dwelling with, with us is teaching and admonishing. Uh, you know, you would love that if all, we just all gained all this knowledge and we just accumulated it for ourselves and we could talk about how smart we are uh, and how much Bible we know uh, if we didn't have to teach and admonish, uh, if we didn't have to take that and pour it out into somebody's life. That's the hard part. Uh, Acts twenty-eight thirty through 31 says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. You know, I worry sometimes today, I think we live in this culture of, you know, we gain knowledge, uh, but we never really get to the truth. And then when we do that, we never take the truth that we don't have uh, and pour it into somebody's life. We pick and choose. It says that Paul received everybody that came in unto him. And what do we do in church sometimes? Well, I think this person may be... We'll talk to him about Christ, but uh, we're going to hold off. Wait just a minute. Uh, I think sometimes that we need to receive everybody that comes into us, uh, and we need to teach them. Uh, we need to teach them the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to teach them the gospel. We need to teach them the things of Jesus Christ, not our opinion and not commentaries. Teach them the gospel of Christ. Uh, teach them the word of Christ. Uh, Romans 12, 12, 6 and 7, having then gifts differ, differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. So in other words, if you have the gift of teaching, get to teaching. If God's gifted you that way, then what are you waiting for? If you have that spiritual gift, and I, I said if, because if you don't have it, don't teach, um, then you need to be teaching. You need to be pouring your life into other people. You need to be sharing what you know with other people. Uh, that's called discipleship. We have to do that. It's, it's necessary. And it's not a program. It's not, you know, an activity. It's a lifestyle. It's who you are in Christ. Uh, it is what you do. What, are, what do you be a disciple? Disciple somebody. Romans fifteen fourteen. I know you never hear that in our church. So uh, it says, and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Uh, and there's, you know, we talk about the love one another's. We talk about the care for one another's. We don't like to talk about the admonish one another's, do we? Uh, we don't like to, you know, we don't want a, other, a brother in our business sometimes. Uh, 
saying, hey, brother, come over here just a minute. Let's talk about what you're saying or what you're doing. Uh, let's, let's have some correction. Uh, we ought to be able to admonish one another, and we ought to be able to receive that. Uh, I know there's lots of times in my life that, you know, I've been pulled aside and said, hey, I don't know that you need to say that. Or I maybe something you did, you shouldn't have done that. And we need to be able to receive that because they're doing it because they love us. Um, because they rule over us. First Thessalonians five twelve and 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So we have to be able to receive that. What's interesting about this is we keep going forward. It doesn't talk about preaching as how we are to admonish one another. And you knew the worship leaders up here today, and it's funny how that always works out. Uh, but it, what does it say? Can you slide back to that uh, just a second, Derek? Can you get there uh, to first to the Colossians three one more time? Uh, it should be just a couple slides back. Uh, it says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." Thank you. In all wisdom, uh, teaching and admonishing one another through preaching and discipleship. What does it say? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So, in other words, what we do here every Sunday is really important. Now, some of us may have the attitude that it's not. I've had conversations with people where they're like, I just don't care for the music, or I'm going to come in after the music's done. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I I don't know about that. So it says there's three ways, that, and we'll get a little bit more of that in a second. It says three, time, or three things that we, how we teach uh, in song. First is psalms. Uh, and the definition of that is a sacred, sacred songs or poems. Uh, and if you think about the psalms and you read those and you read about uh, who's the author of most of them? David, right? And so David was a man after God's own heart, right? Uh, so probably... I think that's why he had the ear of God, because he had the proper attitude uh, about God's word. He loved God's word. Uh, and when you break this down, and I'm not going to get into the debate. We can talk about it later. You know, there's no instruments in the New Testament. If you go buy me some coffee, we can talk about that. Um, you know, but when you break this word down, and I'm not a big Hebrew or Greek guy, uh, the Hebrew word for psalm is tehillim, or songs of praise, uh, and the Greek word is psalmoi, uh, which that means plucking of strings. So in other words, those two are together. Uh, there's instruments and there's singing. Um, and so we have to kind of have that discussion that those should be hand in hand. Uh, it doesn't mean just a guitar. And we'll, you know, Psalm 150 says that we need to let uh, play everything we got. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, uh, and we need to do it uh, in a way that's pleasing to Him. First uh, Chronicles sixteen nine says, "On that day, uh, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord in the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people, sing unto Him, sing songs, psalms unto Him, talk ye of His wondrous works, glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice." That seek the Lord. Uh, Psalm 95, 1 and 2. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. 
Uh, James 5.13, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. Maybe we're just not merry. Maybe that's why we don't sing psalms. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it, it concerns me, uh, obviously, doing what I do uh, when we don't get uh, participation. It concerns me uh, when we don't sing. It concerns me when I don't sing. If, I, if I'm not singing or I don't have a song in my heart, uh, then I can usually, that's a good indicator of where I am in my walk with the Lord. Uh, you know, if I would rather not hear Christian music or I would rather not uh, hear God's Word preached or taught, then it's usually a good indication of where I am. Uh, and that usually means I'm not in the right place. Uh, next thing besides psalms is hymns. Uh, definition of that is a song of praise to God. There's really only two mentions of this um, in the Gospels. It talks about uh, right before uh, Jesus was to be crucified after the Lord's Supper. Uh, it says, when they sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And, of course, with hymns, when I grew up, uh, that was, you know, you get your red book out, and you turn to, the, you turn to you know, whatever page, you know, and you play the first and third verse, uh, and you don't repeat anything. Uh, and that's what you do. You do three of those, and you sit down. Uh, and and so we have to be careful, you know, when we we particularly I think uh, about our preferences and our styles, because uh, if God didn't want us teaching in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, it would have just said hymns, or it would have just said psalms, or it would have just said spiritual songs. Every word is important, and all three of these are important. Uh, the next one is spiritual songs. So the definition of this is any song with a spiritual theme. And before you, you know, spiritual can mean a lot of different things. But I'm going to tell you what spiritual is in the Bible, okay? Spiritual is 1 Corinthians 2.13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing... Spiritual things with spiritual. So in other words, whatever we're singing, whatever you're singing, better have some scripture in it. It better be based on the word of God. It better not be based on your experience, your feelings, um, you know, what sounds good. Uh, It better be based on the word of God. And when you have those type of songs, then you can teach and admonish with those songs. If you don't have those songs, you can't. You can't. If, they, if it doesn't have scripture and it, it's not based on scripture, then I don't, you don't need to be singing it. Not in church. I really don't need to be singing it anywhere. But um, I think I worry about a lot, particularly in the modern age of songs. We'll do everything that we can to get away from saying Jesus' name in the song. You know, we'll say, oh, he did this or that. You know, all these different things, but there's no mention of Jesus. There's no mention of the gospel. There's no mention of God even sometimes. It's he, it's very generalized pronouns. Uh, and you need to be careful of those things. Uh, Acts twenty twenty seven, or sorry, Ephesians, excuse me. Ephesians five eighteen and 19. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Uh, we, we always stop there, right? You know. But be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
So you're going to be filled up with something. And I'm not, even, I'm not talking about wine. I'm not talking about... You're going to be filled up. Something is going to occupy your heart and your mind. The cares of this world, uh, your job, your career, uh, your money, uh, activities, your children, your wife. Fill in the blank. Sometimes we can even do church activities and just as God has nothing to do with it. Uh, we have to be filled with the Spirit. That has to be uh, the focus. And it's Acts twenty twenty seven, and 2 Timothy three sixteen. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Uh, and I said all those because we need to understand all scripture is given uh, for inspiration. It's, it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction. And that can include the songs. Um, and so if it doesn't include them, you don't need to be singing them. And so we have to, for those of you that have that debate where there's no instruments, we're just going to sing. Well, if you take a psalm, it has instruments with it. So you can't play a psalm without an instrument. Uh, and I, so we have to understand that, that we cannot take this whole counsel of God uh, when we do that. So your next key, uh, when we are filled with the Spirit, there will be a desire to sing praises to God, regardless of our musical ability. Let that sink in for just a minute. And I'm, I'm not meddling, I'm just, this is, this is the Bible. So the key to that is if we're filled with the Spirit or not. If we're not filled with the Spirit, Ephesians says that we won't do that. You know, we'll, something else will be occupying our time. But it says there will be a desire to sing praises regardless. Of and two examples of this. First one is Exodus 15, 1 and 2. So you've just had this great uh, victory. God has just parted the Red Sea. He's taken the Israelites through. He's drowned Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. And Moses set everybody down and... He told him, he preached a sermon. That's not what it says. It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath, th- hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Amen. So, Moses was not the worship leader. Moses wasn't the singer. Moses was not uh, the Levite that was appointed to do that. But yet, when God showed up in his life and showed up in the Israelites' life, the first thing that they did was sing a song. It wasn't have a sermon. And sermons are great. I love them. But there's a time and place to praise God through song. And it doesn't matter if you're the worship guy or if you're not. Now, there's scripture. I know that. You've got certain guys that, uh, Chenaniah, for instance, in Chronicles, it talks about uh, that he was for song. And he instructed in the song because he was skillful. Uh, and, you know, you don't have a skillful guy, but you got, you know, I, I, I believe that I'm for song. I believe uh, that God, that's what God has called me to do. Uh, and 
that's what I try to do. And so regardless of that, though, whether your guy's skillful or not or whether he is for song or not, man, we ought to praise God. We ought to be able to sing, and we ought to be able to lift him up. Acts 16, 25, and 26 uh, says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, and saying praises unto God. Now he's just, you know, he's been thrown into jail, the Philippian jailer, and they're, you know, it's getting pretty tough. They've had a rough day. They've been beaten. You know, it's midnight, and I'm, I would have wanted to take a nap. I've just got to be honest. Uh, but it says that he's praying and he's singing. I don't see any record of Paul being a worship leader. I don't see any record of Paul any other time leading people in song. But Paul prayed and he sang. And he sang praises to God because he was worthy. Uh, so, you know, it's not just for the worship team. And it's not just for people that can sing good. It's, if you've got a voice, if you've got breath in your lungs, we sing that song. You know, it's your breath in our lungs. And we pour out our praise, right? Man, we ought to be able to do it. If, we can, if we've got a breath within us, we ought to be able to give it back to God. Psalm 43 says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. You know, I wonder sometimes, you know, maybe that's why there's not a lot of people praising or feeling it's okay to do that. Maybe because we're not doing it. Because it says that if we will have our new song, that people will see that and think, well, maybe it's okay for me to do that. Maybe, maybe you know, it's okay. And so we, we always need to remember that people are watching. And so what we need to understand this is you've got to remember this is Paul's instruction to churches. All his epistles are instructions to churches. Uh, so that means they're full of believers. So this is not instruction for uh, people that are lost, this is instruction for church, and this is doctrine. Uh, and so you have to understand that this church at Colossae was associated with the church of Laodicea. We talked about that. But you notice that he didn't tell them that they needed to teach and admonish each other through preaching. So he told them that they needed to do it through singing and praise to God. So what it probably means is they might have had a problem doing that. You know, I see in other epistles... He addresses the problems in the churches, right? And he gives instruction to the churches. Well, maybe, you know, maybe he's put that in there for us because maybe we struggle with that too. You know, we struggle in offering, and I, I'm, you hear what I'm saying. You know, this church age that we live in struggles in offering biblical praise to God through song. And there's a lot of stuff out there that's not biblical, and I'm well aware of that. We, we do our best to avoid that. Um, but the problem is, is, you know, a lot of us in the church, you know, we have no problem singing along with secular radio. Uh, you know, the, the country song comes on, you know, the guy that couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, and we're going to turn it on and just, just sing and have a good time, you know. And maybe the rap song comes on, or the heavy metal song comes on, and, I mean, just trash, and we can just sing along. But, man, we get it. We can go to concerts, and we can sing and sing for three hours, and we'll just come out hoarse, can't even talk. You know, I've been I went to some of those concerts before. Um, but, man, we get in here Sunday morning. It's just like, 
I can't talk. It's just, there's a frog in my throat. Yeah. And we can't do three, four-minute songs without it just killing us. And that's when we're at a whisper. I'm, I'm serious. Um, you know, these things ought, ought, ought not to be. I'm, I'm sitting, and I'm preaching to myself. We ought to be able, whether we're on stage or whether we're at home, we ought to have a song for God because he's worthy. Uh, and the other extreme of that is, you know, either we can't sing or the other extreme that we have in this church age is it's all based on feeling and experience and there's nothing biblical about it. It's all about, you know, what's popular or what the culture is. Uh, and that's wrong, too. So uh, hear my heart. Uh, we have to find that balance, but it has to be biblical and it has to be scriptural. If it is, we need to sing it as loud as we possibly can because that's what God has called us to do. I'm going to get off. My, that's, that's my rant. So we've got a few more minutes here. So, uh, so lastly, it says to do all um, in the name of Jesus. Um, Go back to your text there. It's in Colossians 3. I turned off of it. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and modesty one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17, Whatsoever ye do, and that ye is you all, that's not the pastor, that's not the teachers, that's everybody. Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So there's three features uh, that I want to see in this. But the first thing we're going to look at is there should be uh, some kind of godly activity. I'm sorry I'm jumping around a bit. Uh, but we're talking about words and deeds. Uh, words and deeds. So in other words, there should be something going on godly in your life if you claim to be a Christian. You know, we ought, somebody ought to be able to come up to us. He's got a godly pulse. You know, this one's breathing. Second Chronicles 31, 20 and 21. And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. Uh, in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. You know, we will... We'll get after our job, man. We're not gonna. We're not gonna miss. A, we're not gonna miss our job. We'll make sure we're there on time. We'll make sure we leave on time. We'll make sure that we get our paycheck. Uh, we'll make sure that we pour into the, our lives and the activities, whether it be sports, whether it be, and we'll give it everything we got. And then after all that's done, we'll give what, whatever. Well, here's what I got left. I got. A, I got an hour from Sunday morning, or you know, I've got yeah. I might serve this week, I might not, you know. We ought to be able to attack this the same way we attack every, all the other non-important things in our lives. Uh, we ought to be able to do this with all our heart, uh, and we have to do it that way. Otherwise, it's just not going to be profitable. But there's three things that you want to see here. The first is totality. Uh, you see, you went from R's to T's, if you're following there, so totality. And that's everything that we say and do. So in other words, you know, when we, people ought to be able to tell by the way we speak and the way we act, our words and deeds, that Christ is living inside of us. Man, we we better not have that testimony that, well, he says he's saved, but gracious, you know. 
I've been guilty of that before. You know, people living like the world and saying, I'm a Christian. Man, can't be that way. We saw this a few weeks ago, Colossians 3, 3 and 4. It says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So the question is this, is Christ your life? Or is he, is he just an acquaintance? Is he somebody, is he the guest that comes in and lives a few weeks at a time when it's convenient for you? Or is he your life? When people look at us, they ought to be able to see Christ. They shouldn't see me. They ought to see Christ living through me. Um, It's got to be everything that we say and do. You look at the early church in Acts 2. That's all they did. They went to church. They went to church. They went to church. They had all things in common. It was their whole life. And I don't want to move in with any of you. I'm just telling you that. But I'm just joking. But what I'm saying is they had everything in common and it was a purpose. This is what we're doing for the ministry. This is where we're going. And that's it. It's Christ. It's the gospel. And that's, that's our focus. Uh, it, ought to be everything, it ought to permeate everything that we do. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 and 5 says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. You know, I don't, all means all. I don't care what kind of Bible you got. First uh, Corinthians ten thirty one. Whether whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So, if we're going to do something, Christ has to be the focus, and Christ has to get God has to get the glory. Second um, Corinthians nine eight says God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye again it's you all, always having all sufficiency in all things. Second uh, Timothy four five. Watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Titus 2.7, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. All means all. I'm sorry. And it means for, it's for everybody. These yees is you all. This is, it's to a church. It's to every member of that church. It's to every person in that congregation. Uh, all means all. And we have to be about it. We can't be about anything else. Uh, next is through. Through is your word. Through the name of Jesus. So in other words, when you go to, t- to, it's not about me. It's not about what I do. It's about Christ. Everything that we have, everything that we say, everything we do, particularly when we're talking to people, we have to give glory where it's due because it ain't about us. Acts 4.10, be it known unto, unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. So it would have been very, very easy for these apostles uh, we have the verse here in Acts 9 uh, talking about Paul speaking boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't speaking in his own name. He wasn't speaking uh, about his heritage. He wasn't speaking about, every, I mean, he could have boasted in everything. He had, a, he had a pretty good pedigree. I don't know if you've ever read, um, but it wasn't about him. He counted those things dung, and dung means poop, you know, if you want to go look that word up. Uh, that's what his life was, you know, him and his stature and everything that he had was poop compared to what Jesus Christ had done in his heart and life. And that we ought to have that same attitude because uh, it ain't about us. It's really not. 
Uh, lastly, thankful for the opportunity and privilege of living for Christ. Um, man, we ought to be thankful. Can you think about this? You have the creator, maker, sustainer of this universe. And he's letting you help him. That's crazy. I mean, it's crazy that he even gives one iota anything that you think or I think. Because we're nothing. I mean, we are wretched people. And yet, he cared enough about us. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And he bled out for you and he bled out for me. We ought to be thankful for that. And when we sing a song, thank you God for saving me. Man, we ought to be able to sing it. I'm telling you. Because we ought to be thankful uh, that we don't have to spend an eternity in hell. If for nothing else. Psalm 140.13 Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Ephesians 5.20 Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for all things. You know, all means all. Even when you're having a, you know, you get that bad doctor's report, you ought to be thankful. You ought to find something in that. And I used to, I taught this wrong for years because I would just take the next verse and say, oh, and everything give thanks. That means I don't have to be thankful for, you know, fill in the blank that's happening in my life. Well, that would be fine if you didn't have the other verse. It says to be thankful for everything in every situation that God is still in control. That he still loves you and he still loves me. And he's not going to leave you there alone. So we're going to close right there. I've got to do, have just a few things. Uh, just You can stay there for just a minute, Derek. So in closing, you know, first of all, have we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior? Can we remember a specific time when we ask him to save us from our sins? Uh, can we, is there a point in your life or in my life where I can say, this is where I did it? You know, you don't have to remember the specific date, but there ought to be a time in your mind where you said, Lord, I need you to save me from my sins. And if you have done that, it's awesome. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you haven't done that, when we pray, you can do that in just a minute. That'd be great. Uh, if, how's your relationship with him today? You know, he was there immediately when you needed him to save you. Where is he at now? Is he, you know, in, the, in another county? Uh, is he down the road at the neighbor's house, or is he in your house? Um, you know, do we find ourselves having no peace in our lives because we aren't willing to let God be the ruler of our heart? It's all about submission. Uh, if we're not willing to admit that we don't have it, we don't have it figured out because you don't and I don't. Uh, we'll never let God give you give us that peace, and it's going to be chaos and it's going to be confusion. And He's not the author of that today. He's not. Um, you know, secondly, is the word of God dwelling within us? Do we spend time daily reading and meditating in it so we can really know God? And that's the only way you'll ever know him. You know, or are we so preoccupied with the cares of this world that we haven't made allow, haven't allowed any room for Jesus? You know, is it, is it Revelation 3.20 in your heart? Is he just, hey man, I'm, I'm here, I'm waiting telling you we got to let him in uh, have we lost our voice when it comes to praising God have we ever had one 
Is he not worthy? Is he not worthy for what he did? And lastly, are we doing the work of the ministry? You know, if not, why not? I mean, what are we waiting for? You know, time is short, my friends. We're going to close with this verse. It says, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. It says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I don't know if you guys have looked around or not. They're evil. We're here right now. This is not something that's going to happen in the future. This is not something that's, you know, on down the road a few years. We are living in it daily. We have to redeem the time that we have. We have to because it is short. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you.